Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Creative Kindergarten Podcast. My name is Amanda, and I'm an early childhood educator in Ontario, Canada. And this podcast is a place that I like to answer questions or reflect on my practices in the classroom and really take this as an opportunity to um, kind of refine and reflect on everything that I'm doing as an early childhood educator. This is actually episode number 42, and today I'm going to be talking to you about how to document, and this is going to probably be maybe a longer episode, or maybe I'm just going to split it up into two episodes, because once I started writing all my notes for this episode, I um, realized just how much actually goes into documentation and just how big of a topic it is. It could really at least use two episodes of my podcast, so... What I'm going to do today is get started on it. And if I need to pause and come back and um, talk about it uh, maybe again next week, well, I'll see that um, as we move along here. But before I get started on the podcast, I just wanted to take a second because today here in Ontario, when this podcast releases, it's going to be the first day of school where students are returning to the classroom. So um, if you're not from Ontario, uh, in Ontario, what we did was we had p- families uh, gave the had the option to choose whether they were sending their child to school in person back into the classroom or if they were sending them um, to our online virtual schools. So lots of teachers are jumping into virtual learning and some educators are going back into the classroom. And I just wanted to take a moment and really um just provide you with some maybe words of encouragement and let you know that you know I we're all in this together we're all thinking of each other we're all trying to boost each other up Uh, whether you're going back virtual or in person none of this is how we ever wanted to start the school year and I wanted to remind you that your classroom is what you make it to be you as an educator is what your classroom is all about. So if you're online in a virtual space, just remember that it doesn't matter um, what kind of experience that you're providing for your students. You don't need the fancy backgrounds. You don't need the fancy Bitmoji classrooms. You don't need to wear costumes and, you know, be all dressed up or whatever it is. If that's what you like to do, that's great. But yeah, that's not what is needed. What is needed is you as a compassionate educator, somebody who knows the children, who knows child development, who is there to support families and engage and learn about their students. That is what is important and even through a screen you can reach each and every one of your students and make a difference in their lives and if you're going back in person I know there's a lot of anxiety around returning back to in-person learning lots of educators are excited lots of educators are apprehensive and anxious about returning to classroom whatever you're feeling your feelings are valid and I just want you to remember that again you are the important element in your classroom even though we're going back and I know that a lots of different places have different protocols depending on where you are and what you're allowed to be using in the classroom what you're allowed to do not not allowed to do But even though um, your classroom might not look exactly how you want it to look, you don't have all the bulletin boards and the colorful posters and all that kind of stuff. That is not the stuff that matters. Again, you are the one that matters. The relationships that you are going to build with the children and families in your communities and classrooms, those are the things that are important. So I want you to keep that in mind, that you are the one that makes a difference and that 
um, your attitude, your response, your your personalities, your being in the classroom is what is really important to these children. And that is what they're going to remember. They're not going to remember and even in a couple months time when they walked into the classroom what was on the walls what was um the activities that were set out none of that is going to matter to them what's going to matter to them is what their educators did for them in the classroom and start with those relationships start with uh, mental health and the well-being of the children in your classroom and that is going to be the most important part so i'm just here to give you a little boost if you're listening to this any other day other than the first day of school just these are just little reminders that remember you are doing amazing Everything that you're doing in your classroom is providing an environment of learning and support to each and every one of your students. So I just wanted to be here to let you know that I know that it is a very overwhelming year for a lot of people and we're all here for each other. Reach out if you need support. Reach out if you need help with something. That's why we're here. Um, I feel like education is such a community space where lots of teachers are here to help support and uplift their fellow educators and that's what we're here for and so I'm wishing you all the best of luck on your first days of school and if you are maybe not on your first day of school you've been doing it for a while I just want to give you a little uh, round of applause let's say for just being the awesome educator that you are and just providing such a safe and inviting atmosphere for your the children in your classroom whether it be virtual or whether it be in person and yeah with that i'm going to get started on documentation in kindergarten before i really get started into exactly what i do for documentation what is documentation all that kind of stuff i thought i would start off with just talking about what i use for documentation this is probably one of the things that um, people ask me about the most because there's just so many ways you can do documentation in a play-based kindergarten classroom. Uh, there is, I've seen it done through a, a numerous different ways. So no, there, I don't think there is a right or a wrong way. I'm just going to tell you about the different ways that I've seen people do it. And what has worked for me personally, um, for those of you that aren't in Ontario, I am an early childhood educator that works in kindergarten. And in our kindergarten classrooms, there's two educators that work together. There's a teacher and an early childhood educator. We work together, we plan together, we document together. Everything is done together. So whenever I was thinking about how I was going to do documentation in the classroom, I always made sure that I was keeping them in mind the needs of my teaching partner as well, because the documentation isn't just going to be for me, it's going to be for my teaching partner as well. And finding a way that best suited both of us was really was was really important for me. And so I've seen a lot of people um, use something like Google Keep, where you can just write notes in it. And because it's online, you can use it um, from different devices and you can, I think, share it with other educators. So if you have a teaching partner, you can share it with your teaching partner. It's all in one place, really easy to use. So I know lots of people use Google Keep. Personally, I love using OneNote. My friend Jen from Books and Bytes, I've spoken about her numerous times on this podcast. I um, even have a podcast interview with her from a few weeks back if you want to check that out. But she came up with this fa fabulous one note documentation 
um, I guess they're called notebooks, where it divides it all into the four frames of learning. And then with it, within each four frame of the learning, each child has their own page. I love OneNote because you can add pictures and then you can put quotes that the student said underneath it. And it's all really in one place. I have an iPad for documentation in my classroom. And when you're using the iPad to type, you can also use the um, voice to text feature. So I don't have to type out all of my different notes. All I had to do was use the voice to text and just say what I wanted to say. And it would embed it into the OneNote um, binder for me so that I wasn't having to type, sit there and type all the time, which was a really um, fantastic tool. So I loved using the OneNote. If that is something that you're inter interested in checking out, I'll put a link for it in the description for you. Again, that's not something I made. That was just my friend, um, Jen, that made that for me, introduced it. And then what's really great about the OneNote is that it was able to sync again to lots of devices and I was able to share it with my teaching partner so that we were both able to access the OneNote on any device that we were using. So when it was time to write, um, communications of learning, which are the report cards type thing for um, Ontario. When it was time to write those, my teaching partner had easy access to all the notes. Everything was there and it was a really great resource and you can look back at what um, the children did in the classroom. So um, one note was really great. If you are not wanting to do an electronic version if you are still, I need a pencil and paper, that's perfectly okay too. I've seen people have different uh, clipboards uh, with like um, grids with the kids' names on it, with uh, places to write different observations that they see throughout the day, a great place to document right there. You just grab the clipboard and you're able to write about what you're doing. Um, I've seen people have, because we have um, in Ontario, again, we have four frames of learning within our kindergarten program. And so they would have a clipboard for each of the four frames. And whenever they saw something, they were able to pull the clipboard and just write it out. I'm a very visual person. I love having the picture aspect of having an electronic documentation so that I'm able to take pictures of what the kids are doing or something that they've made and or whatever. And I'm able to put that into the digital OneNote. But if you're still a pencil and paper person, that is perfectly okay. I just wanted to make sure that, um, yeah, I... I just wanted to make sure that when I was documenting, it was just something that was easy, easy and simple for me. And because we have the iPad in the classroom, it just was a really great fit for us. Um, whatever you do decide to do for documentation though, I you have to keep it consistent. So if you're doing pencil, half pencil and paper, half um, Google Keep, and then some things are on sticky notes, it makes it really hard to um, condense all that information and make it useful for you in the classroom because it's all over the place and I had a, I would have a really hard time keeping track of all of the documentation that's happening. So I would just suggest if you're diving into kindergarten for the first time or if you are thinking about your documentation in your classroom to really come up with one way and stay consistent with it and use it continuously. That um, when I had our iPad for documentation, like that was the iPad we always used for documentation. Um, it walked around with us in the classroom. We would leave it out and our kids knew that when we were, when they wanted to show us something or they knew that we wanted to document something, they kind of, after a while, just knew what we would want to take pictures of and document they would know to go grab that iPad and bring it to us. That's how much they knew about that iPad and that documentation. So 
being consistent with that is really important and you want to get into the routine of using it. So if you're always forgetting to do it, just carry whatever, like if you're using an iPad or using your phone or using the laptop, whatever it is, just carry it around with you throughout the day so that you're not forgetting about it until you get into the routine of constantly doing it. It's just a really, um, it's just about getting started with anything really it's like getting started in your routines and just being consistent with it and after a while it'll just be part of your day part of your routine part of what you're doing so that's really what I liked you can also um, take pictures for documentation uh, on the iPad and put it up on bulletin boards and um, students can write about the learning that they did and attach it to it or they can tell you about the learning that they had and you can just like type out um, a quote that they made and put it with their work so that's just another easy way to do documentation, but that one's more visual because you can see it in the classroom. It's there, it's on a bulletin board. I love doing that kind of documentation. The kids really like it too because then they get to see what others were doing so that they're, because um, they don't get to see what other kids are doing all the time. If they're at a math center and one kid's doing a math, a really great thing at a math center and another child is doing awesome stuff at the dramatic play center, they might not see what's happening at each one of those centers. And so having that documentation out on a bulletin board, it is a really great way for them to be able to um, see what others are doing as well and see the learning that their peers are doing. So yeah, you can have the visual documentation as well as electronic or paper documentation. So that's really how like I physically document in the classroom. And I wanted to talk a little bit more about the what. What are we documenting in the classroom? So when we're talking about documentation in kindergarten, I'm usually talking about pedagogical documentation. And in Ontario, there is a whole document on this and I'm kind of just going to give an overview of it. And if you wanna learn more about it, of course you can go into deeper dives, but um, really there's three types of documentation. There's documentation of learning, documentation for learning, and documentation as learning. So those are the three types of documentation. I don't have three different methods of documenting these three different kinds of documentation. They all end up being in that OneNote binder. And just me as an educator, I know that I'm using this documentation kind of for like different purposes, I suppose. So let's start with the first one, documentation of learning. So this is more of, of a summative assessment. So a summary of the learning that takes place. So like the product that comes at the end, not that we're product oriented in our kindergarten classrooms in a play-based setting, but really like, what did we do? How, um, how are they showing their learning? And then that's the documentation that will be of learning. So the documentation that um, you're taking to show the learning that took place. That's the first kind. There is also documentation for learning. This is more of a formative assessment. It's kind of like in progress. It's um, kind of determining the learning, determining the learning needs of our students. And it's an interpretation of what is happening in the classroom. And it's really um, taking what is happening, what your st the students are doing in your classroom and determining where are you going from there. So seeing what they're doing and knowing where we want them to go, where do we go from here? How do we bridge that gap? And that's the documentation for learning. Then the last one, documentation as learning. So how are we learning? And this is kind of like that summative and formative assessment kind of packed into one. This is hold a process and how are they doing the learning in the classroom? So those are the three. There's a whole document on it for the Ontario Kindergarten Program. And 
Those are really important to keep in mind when you're doing documentation because there's documentation for different purposes depending on what you're going to do with it. Now that I've talked a little bit about the three different kinds of documentation that you can be doing in your classroom, now in our day-to-day -day experiences in the classroom, what are we actually documenting? And I want to make sure that, at, especially at the beginning of the year, do, um, documentation for learning is really important because I want to determine some kind of baseline where the students are at currently so that I can see growth in learning as we're learning the skills. So we want to make sure that we understand um, where our students are starting so that we know how to plan learning, how we can um, keep growing in our skills and that we can achieve different, um, I don't know, different skills that we are teaching to in kindergarten. So I'm documenting where they're starting and then I'm also documenting along the way as they're making progress so that I can um, have that growth in learning and see where those skills are building up. Practically in the classroom, I know that a lot of people are almost over documenting. I see this a lot with educators where they're just documenting every time they see a skill that is demonstrated. And you have to really think every time you're taking a piece of documentation, why do I need this documentation? Is it showing that growth? Like, oh, they've learned something new. They've added to their skill set. They're um, demonstrating something new. Is it because they've really mastered something and they're showing me an end product of something they worked really hard on and it's really showing me their learning that's taking place? Is it um, part of the process of their learning and I want to show how they're learning, um, I don't know, a skill in different ways? Like, what is the reason for the documentation when you're taking it? And I'm just going to give you, for example, patterning. Patterning is a skill that we work on a lot in kindergarten classrooms. And so at the beginning of the year, we start talking about patterning. We're noticing patterns and students are, uh, a student is at the loose parts table and they make an AB pattern with some gems and rocks. Well, that's fantastic. That's my baseline. That's where I see their skill demonstrated for the first time, they can make an AB pattern. That's fantastic. I'll probably take a picture of that and make a little recording of them talking about their pattern or whatever else it may be. Perfect. Now, do I need to take a picture every time that student demonstrates an AB pattern? No. Like we now know that they know how to make an AB pattern. So unless they are showing me that they can um, notice an AB pattern in nature, maybe that's um, something else, or maybe they're extending somebody else's AB pattern, whatever, maybe, maybe that's just a different way of demonstrating the skill. I might take a picture of that, but if they're making an AB pattern, the next time I see them with pom-poms instead of rocks and gems, I don't need to take a picture of their pom-pom AB pattern. So really keeping in mind that just because they're demonstrating a skill doesn't mean you have to document it each and every time. But if the next time I go over and now they've all of a sudden been able to make a AABBC pattern and they're really proud of themselves because there's something has just clicked in their mind about patterning and they see the repetition, they're able to tell me what the core of the pattern is, they're able to extend that pattern, they're able to talk about it. Well, that is some more documentation that I'm going to get because that's showing that growth in learning. They started at an AB pattern and that's where their skill level was at. But now they're doing AABBC patterns and talking about their patterns and noticing those patterns that pattern in nature, whatever it may be. So we're, we're documenting that growth that's happening, not just every time they're demonstrating the skill. 
I think that's really important to keep in mind when we're doing our documentation that there has to be a reason behind it and we're not just taking pictures of every time they take a skill. Same thing when um, maybe students were talking about problem solving with the students and the first time they run into a problem with a friend they kind of just get angry and they make a, a noise and walk away. Well that might be something that I document and say okay well this they're they're learning those social skills those problem solving skills with their peers I am going to talk to them about how we can use our words maybe as a whole group lesson we're going to um like have a little dramatic play moment where we're going to um, pretend that we're working through a problem that is similar to the one that was had at the table and give words and different ways to work through uh, problems with our friends and then the next time i see them uh, him playing or her playing at the block center the next time when they get frustrated they take a breath and they might say mine when somebody took away their toy well, there's some growth. I might document the fact that they said mine because now they're at least using their words. The next time after we do it again and we walk through using our words and how we can problem solve with our peers, maybe the next time they say, that's my block. Can I have it back, please? Or maybe they're now saying, oh, let's build this together instead of playing separately. So all of those moments are great um, times to document growth in learning because we had that baseline that um, moment of frustration that they had that I was able to document and now I can really see that social emotional growth that's happening in the classroom so those are kind of the kinds of things that I'm documenting throughout the day and I think it's really important to keep in the back of my mind why we're using this documentation so there could be multiple reasons why we would be using documentation in the classroom so I touched on them a little bit just now, but I could be using the documentation and looking back on it when we're planning um, the learning that's going to take place throughout the week. So if we're um, going, if we are documenting where our students are and uh, where the skills are that we want to build up, we can plan learning opportunities for them that matches the skills that they've done. So this is where having um, a teaching partner and where our documentation, making sure that we're very um, consistent with our documentation is really important because I want my teaching partner and I to be on the same page for this. So when we are co-planning for our day, we're going to be talking about, oh, I've noticed that, you know, um, some students are still having uh, difficulties with a b patterns and some students are having um, difficulties um, extending patterns, whatever it may be. We can plan opportunities based around that. We can also plan some small groups if we notice that there's just like a core set of students that are having trouble extending a pattern. Well, that's a great small group that I can have in the back of my mind when we're doing centers for that week where I can pull those students or I can sit with each and one of those students and really work on that skill. It's also great for planning um, large group learning, right? So if you're noticing that a lot of students are having trouble um, problem solving with peers. There's a great opportunity for um, large group exercises where you can talk about what, what happens when we have a problem with a peer. How can we talk to them and really work through sol solutions as a group? So having those opportunities are really important there. Of course, we also want to have our documentation in place for when we're writing our um, communications of learning. Those are our kind of report card things that we send home to families. You want to be able to provide 
um, concrete documentation of what's happening in the classroom and to be able to talk about that growth and learning because sometimes it is really hard when you go to write those um, reports that you're having trouble seeing where the growth is for the students. But if you have that baseline, that first thing that they came to school with, you can see lots of growth that happens in all areas as well. So that's really just an overview of what documentation looks like for me in the classroom. I will um, put a Instagram post about this episode on my Instagram on Thursday. If you have any specific questions about documentation, because this was really a quick overview and I feel like there's so much more I could talk about, but if you have any specific questions about documentation in kindergarten, if you want to know more about a certain subject or want to know more about how I do something, please make sure you leave a comment on there and maybe I'll do a part two to this answering a lot of those questions because I think I could have gone on and on and on about documentation and I don't want to make this episode too long. So what I really want to make sure is that I'm addressing any questions that you might have or if you have um, any ways that you document in the classroom that you find are really great, make sure you share that as well so that other people can know about the awesome um, documentation that's going on in your classrooms. So make sure you're over on Instagram at Creative Kindergarten Blog on TPT. It's really long. The link will be in the in the show notes for this episode. But make sure you go over to my Instagram and share about your documentation or ask any questions that you might have. If you don't want to ask it on a public um, Instagram post, you can also DM me um, on Instagram or head over to my blog, creativekindergartenblog.com. There's a little contact me button there. You can send me an email and I'll answer any emails that I get over there. So yeah. Those, that is all about, well, not all about because documentation is so huge. That's kind of like a, a summary of how I do documentation in kindergarten. I'm looking forward to hearing from you and I'm wishing everybody just all the best in this crazy back to school time that has uh, not been the ideal return to work that we've all been looking forward to over the summer. But you know what? Whatever is going to happen this year, it's not going to be our ideal classrooms, but we just have to make it work for this year. And hopefully, hopefully by this time next year, we'll be back to our normal routines and we'll be able to, um, yeah, uh, have our regular classrooms back to us. But yeah, make the best out of your return to school and remember that you are that important piece in the classroom and that your well-being matters as well. And that we are all here to support each other. And if there's anything that I can do, you can always reach out to me. Thank you so much for joining me on this week's episode of the Creative Kindergarten Podcast. And I can't wait to talk to you all again next uh, next week. Mm-hmm.